You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, mom. Anything's possible. Rainy days, jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we got to make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You could tell them other guys to go and plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales Packard and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jay. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast Here on the Lockdown Podcast Network Thank you for making us part of your daily routine We are here for you Monday through Friday No matter what Whether it's all of us whether it's two of us or whether it's one of us, like today, it's just me, John Corrales, here on the Lockdown Celtics podcast, Jay King, Sam Jam Packard, Samuel Jamison Packard III, both taking the night off to work and watch the Red Sox. I have the Red Sox game on in the background as I talk to you. So we are going to discuss the uh, very interesting announcement by Paul Pierce or we, I'm going to discuss the very interesting announcement by Paul Pierce that he has started this vaping company. And I, the way he announced the vaping company as a way to take his cannabis oils for chronic pain and anxiety. Very, very interesting stuff. Also interesting, Terry Rozier talking about Coach Stevens' challenges at practice. Bob Cousy visited the team. And I had a uh, an interview on... The Pulse in Bangor, Maine. I will share that with you, where I talked to Rich Kimball about a lot of things. The short preseason, the Celtics offensive struggles with the shot selection, Jalen Brown's problems, and how we should all just calm down for a minute. Just take a break. Before we do all that, I want to thank all of you new listeners who are just joining the show. Maybe you're just sampling. Maybe you're coming from other teams and you want to just get a sense of what we're talking about here on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Thank you very much, all of you, for taking the time to give us that shot, and hopefully it's enough for you to subscribe. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating and a good review. That really, really means a lot. Uh, the, the show is growing, so I know there are a lot of you who are new, recent. I just want to take a minute to thank you, seriously, because it's, it's super important to us. We all work very hard. It's great to see that paying off, and it's great to know that so many of you are enjoying the show and enjoying us being part of your Celtics experience. We know that there's a lot out there for you to kind of take in as a Celtics fan. There are a lot of great shows, podcasts, a lot of great outlets. People are writing and doing videos. It means so much good stuff. To The fact that you're making us one of the stops is amazing. So let's get into a couple of the uh, updates for today. Right now, uh, Aaron Baines suited up for practice. He didn't really practice. He jogged. He had like 70% body weight on uh, – on his uh, on his hamstring, it's okay. It's not as bad as they thought it might be. That's great. But as we said before, hamstrings are messy. Hamstrings are scary. So he is currently listed as questionable for the Oklahoma City Thunder game. That would suck because we could really use him against Stephen Adams. But 
we'll have to see. It's not worth pushing him out there for that. They'll be very, very, very cautious. Also, out of practice today, Bob Cousy, the legendary Houdini of the hardwood. Bob Cousy, who's awesome. I've met him before. He's great. Uh, great storyteller. Has got some great stuff. And he met with the team today. And they, they seem to, the Celtics kind of pushed out some photos and everything. And uh, Bob Bob Cousy's getting up there. And he, he played in an era where things were very, very different. But one of the things that was the same is the shots that are going up. Back then, they averaged somewhere around 115 shots a game. Nowadays, NBA teams are just putting up ridiculous numbers. Uh, the the Pistons put up like 115 shots or 107 shots, some ridiculous, stupid number tonight. And it was an overtime game, but a lot of teams are putting up 90 to 100 shots a game, which is mind-blowing. So... Uh, the Celtics are kind of right there. They're putting up 90-plus shots a game. Once they start to hit, they'll be okay. But it's great to see Kuzi coming in, talking to the guys. I hope all of the guys were able to take out of that something, some lesson of, look, this is one of the guys. He's one of the foundations of the NBA. He was the first real, true showman of the NBA. One of the first guys that could go out there and dribble circles around everybody. And, you know, it's kind of interesting to have him in with Kyrie because they were, they were, they're both known for their insane dribbling. I can't imagine what Bob Cousy would be like today if he was allowed to kind of put his hand on the side of the ball. You see the old videos of Bob Cousy, and, and if you haven't, you can go ahead and Google Bob Cousy and see some of the things. It always bugs me when people laugh. Some there, there are people like, especially really, really young. They see the way he dribbled because back then you could only put your hand on top of the ball. So it's hard to control the ball the way they do now with your own, with your hands only on top of the ball. Nowadays you can put that, your hand damn near underneath the ball. And when your hands on the side of the ball, you can do all sorts of crazy things with it. And that's not to take away from what Kyrie Irving does. What Kyrie, Irv- Kyrie Irving does is a mile above what other people do with the ball. But point is, what you could get away with now, you couldn't get away with then. And I just hope that people understand how great Bob Cousy was. And I hope that the players who were out there today listening to Cousy understand uh, exactly the the time that he played through and the the era and just not on basketball terms but on in, in general what what teams were were going through uh from a civil rights perspective and you know Bob Cousy talks a, a little bit today about some regrets that he had with with um Bill Russell and a kind of a, a weird relationship that they had because he he regrets not taking Bill Russell aside and explicitly saying I have your back and it's it that's tough it's I know that he probably meant well I don't know exactly how that all happened what went down exactly but to have the regrets to not be there exactly the way you feel like you should have been for a teammate at, at that particular time is difficult and I hope he relayed all of that to the team that you don't want to go, uh, you don't want to leave this game with regrets, with your teammates, with with what you have on the floor. Uh, there was a famous sign 
on the uh, Celtics practice facility when Doc Rivers was there. The pain of losing, I forget exactly what it said, but the pain of losing is nothing compared to the pain of regret. And that is 100% true, that there is nothing more painful than regretting something. And if you can avoid and you can at least understand what what your situation is and, and proceed in a way that you know you won't regret it, it, it really means a lot moving forward. Uh, so... I hope Bob Cousy had a, a lot of good things that the team could take out of that. Terry Rozier also today talked about his minutes and uh, the the fact that he's he look he played 15 minutes against Orlando. He's he's playing 20 some odd minutes, low 20s. Uh, he is frustrated, but I'll read you the quote from Terry Rozier. It's not the easiest, me being a competitor, me being who I am, wake up every day and want to be the best I can be. We want to win and everything. It's tough. And then I don't get the minutes that I may want. Like last night, for example, I didn't get to play that many minutes. But like I said, coach does not have the easiest job. He has the toughest job out of all of us. I can respect that. I control what I can control. I still come in every day, bust my butt because I know it may be different on Thursday. It's a great perspective from Rozier. And he's really saying a lot of the right things. I'm glad he's doing so because uh, it's, it's important that he keeps his head on straight. Uh, you don't need disruptions from somebody like Terry Rozier, who has a lot of right to be disruptive in many people's opinion. He has a, a strong case to get more minutes, especially in a game where a lot of shots weren't falling. And why wouldn't Terry Rozier get more minutes? Why wouldn't a guy who can be strong offensively get more minutes in a game where he his offense could have been important? Maybe he could have started hitting shots when others were missing. And you can look at the game and say, well, he made some mistakes and he forced some things and, and maybe Brad Stevens thought the matchup was better in a different way. But the fact that he could come out after that game, after playing short minutes, and say what he said and, and say flat out, coach does not have the easiest job, that's important. And I, I want to give Terry Rozier all the respect in the world for uh, not kind of going down a, a negative path when he could have even said something fairly nice but coded. He didn't. It's, it's flat out. Go out. Be ready. Control what you can control. Bust your ass, and then on Thursday, it could be different. He could play 30 minutes on Thursday. Who knows? Uh, you never know when Terry Rozier is going to get the call. So, and look, it's, it's also in his best interest to be this way because if he's disruptive, then he could cost himself money. It's and if I'm his agent, if I'm his inner circle, I'm making sure that he knows that because. A guy like Rozier who isn't getting the minutes has to rely on a little bit of history, his playoff history, and the the knowledge that if he gets 30 minutes a game, he's a significantly better player than he is when he plays 15 minutes a game. He needs to get going. He's a guy, we've talked about it on the podcast a million times, he needs to get going. So when that opportunity isn't there. His agent who's going around to sell everybody says, look, when he gets these 30 minutes, when he gets the starter minutes that you're going to give him, he's he can be a pretty good player. So you can pay him those starter minutes. And look, when things were down, when he had this 
these downtimes when he only played 15 minutes. Look at look at the type of player that he is. Look at the type of culture that he's coming from. You want this Celtics winning culture, this type of accountability. You want that as a leader in your locker room. This is a selling point for Terry Rozier as a free agent. So him saying these things, super important for this team, super important for his future. So he's doing and saying the right things, and I, I give him all the respect in the world for it. Okay, that's that. Let's get to my conversation now with... Rich Kimball of The Pulse in Bangor, Maine. Hey, we're back on downtown. It's Tuesday afternoon. Time for us to talk some basketball Celtic style as we're joined by John Corrales of RedsArmy.com and the Locked On Celtics podcast. John, a good afternoon to you. We're, uh, well, we're four games in. What do you think of this team so far? Panic, panic, blow it up, <laughs> train everybody. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you, no. you, you have become an official Boston media person now. Yeah. <laughs> Right, that's right. I got to start overreacting a whole lot more. No, it's four games. Uh, I keep saying that the. I, I think last season we were preparing ourselves for things to go slowly, and I remember all of the players saying it was going to take some time. It's, it's not going to come together right away. And then Gordon Hayward got hurt, and everything went out the window. And, and obviously, they outperformed all of our expectations. And then this year, we we got into the season and thought, well, they did so great last year, you just got to add Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, and they'll be fine. And it turns out that what they were saying last year is should be applied to this year. It's, it's going a lot more slowly than we thought. It's going to take a little bit of time to get everybody up to speed. One of your key pieces, Gordon Hayward's only playing 25 minutes a game. You can't come out and start a second half with him, so you're doing different things. Kyrie Irving has been cold up until the third quarter of last night. Other guys are missing a ton of shots. So it's just not coming together as quickly as we thought. And I think part of it is the Celtics just aren't playing very well. And part of it is we, as a general Celtics observer and fandom, said that they were going to be awesome, and they're not awesome yet. So the expectations were set very high. They're not meeting them. And so a lot of people are like, what's happening? Why are they meeting our expectations? Well. I mean, they're just, they're just not playing well yet. And they've got too much talent to not figure it out. And you just got to hope that as we move forward, they can keep building on things. Hey, you wrote that uh, one of the guys who, who appears to be underperforming a little bit offensively is Jalen Brown, and that that might be part of the effect of having him take on such a big role on the defensive side of things. Yeah, you know, it's very hard for a guy to play the level of defense that you're asking Jalen Brown to play consistently defending the other team's best player and then turn around and be an, a very highly impactful offensive player. That's really reserved for the highest level guys. You know, the, the Paul Georges and Kawhi Leonard's of, of, of the world. And even that doesn't really go well all the time. So it's not an excuse uh, I, I think part of it is that he's, yes, A, asking be asked to do a lot defensively. B, he's had some early foul trouble because of the whole freedom of movement uh, emphasis. The fouls this year have been just off the charts crazy. Uh, he's been caught up in that, and that kind of throws him off, not only because he's not in the flow. I think it, it's messing with him mentally. Uh, when you're disjointed on one end of the floor, it's hard to snap into things on the other end of the floor. And on the other side, I think he's just 
cold and and pressing, and he's been mostly he's been the most impacted by all of the things that are going wrong with the Celtics offense because in a pinch, other guys can go off and get their shots and hit shots at a much higher level. I think Jalen Brown needs to get set up a little bit more. Once he's set up in the right spot, he can take a dribble or two and, and do some things, but he's really not yet at a mode like Jason Tatum is where he can go and just create his own shot anytime he wants. So a bunch of factors kind of really conspiring to to drag Jalen Brown down on the offensive end. Hopefully, as things progress and as the ball movement kind of increases, we saw a little bit better ball movement last night, even though the shots weren't falling. But as the ball movement increases, you'll see Jalen Brown start to get the ball on cuts, to, you know, backdoor cuts, and, and just when the defense is moved around, he can sneak into spots to get much more open looks. John, how many? Uh, how much of the struggle on offense has been about just really bad shot selection? Some of it has. Uh, look, th- there are very low percentage shots, low efficiency, sh- uh, low efficiency shots. That's a tough one to say. Uh, when players step into that long two range, where you see guys step into right off the three point line in that 14, 15 foot range out to the three point line. That's, that's kind of like a, a no-no, and the Celtics do settle for a little too many of those. Uh, in, in general, though, I think there's just a tiny bit more individual play than we'd like. I think there's just not enough ball movement, and when, when that's happening, you tend to settle for, for jumpers. And right now, the Celtics are definitely settling for too many jumpers. They're dead last in the league in free throws taken, so... That's something that definitely needs to change. We're talking with John Corrales here on downtown. But part of this too, getting guys, getting guys worked back into the rotation, used to playing with each other for the first time in a while, is that those four preseason games didn't really solve a whole lot of problems. First of all, it's only four games, and a lot of guys didn't play in a couple of them. Yeah, it was a weird preseason. Yeah, just only four games. They were kind of jammed together super early, and the Celtics had a week plus of practice they've looked great in practice they just haven't been able to translate that against nba competition now i don't think a lot of teams care too much about an abbreviated preseason going through and figuring things out early in the regular season doesn't matter so much i mean there's there's the aesthetic of not looking great that they have to deal with and fans and reporters have to question those guys and they i'm sure they just don't want to deal with that there is the, I guess, the bragging rights of a record. Like, do they, do they get to 60 wins? And if they only get only get to 55 wins and a second seed, uh, is that going to, like, cause the sky to fall for some people? That you, When you look back on it, you say, oh, they, they didn't win 60 games when they should have. How are you playing at the end of the season is the most important thing. And I think when you get to Brad Stevens and the coaching staff, even the players, they are – happy to go through the process and if that involves some struggles early so be it but they need to go through the process and then if that gets them into the all-star break and beyond playing well then that's okay uh last night was certainly a, a nice win for the orlando magic and our friend uh Maynard steve clifford is <laughs> going to be a tough season for him uh, might this be one of the highlights of his year 
For Orlando, like I, I think that Orlando is actually a little bit better than people give them credit for. They were so bad last year. They've got a pretty nice defensive team, and that's you know that's Clifford's hallmark mm. is is getting those guys together on defense. They've got a ton of length and athletic length. It's not big lumbering length. Those guys are athletic, and it's going to be hard to to drive and score on them. You saw the Celtics. Part of why they settled for a lot of jumpers last night is because there's a lot of trees up there, and right. you don't want to get blocked. So you settle for the closest good shot that you can get, and if that's 12 feet, well, that's not bad for the defense. So they've actually got some pretty nice defensive players. They got out and ran. When the Celtics got a little discouraged in the first quarter, I think they kind of stopped running And when they missed, and Orlando took, took advantage of that. I, I think Orlando's got... I don't know if they're a playoff team, but they're going to be one of those scrappy teams. I don't think this is an aberration necessarily. They're going to look bad some nights, but I think they they will do some things pretty well. And it, the key for them is just having those young guys stay together, playing hard for one another, executing the plan, and, and not going too far off on their own. Like Isaac had a, a great night last night. If he follows that up by saying, hey, I'm on fire, I'm just going to keep on shooting, I'm going to keep doing these things, then that's a detriment to the other players on his team, his teammates. Uh, if they can stay together and, and understand that being in this plan and working for one another, they'll be, they'll be one of those scrappy little teams that's, that's going to be tough to beat. Uh, for the Celtics, next up, a trip uh, out to Oklahoma City to take on the Thunder. Uh, are there some matchup challenges there for them? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the Thunder are going to be a good team. Although the Thunder did just lose to Sacramento. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. You got to deal with Steven Adams. Uh, they've got, they've got some nice, obviously some nice talent. Paul George is going to be tough to stop when you've got, uh, Russell Westbrook there. But there's always the smart versus Westbrook matchup and smart loves playing in Oklahoma City, you know, going home, going back to his, uh, college days. So that's always kind of an explosive, fun matchup to watch. And, yeah, the Celtics defense can be put to the test. What they're going to have to do is see if they can get through that, that Oklahoma City defense. They've got some, some nice defensive players there as well. Uh, they're going to have to really, really attack, and more so than they have in, in the past few games. So uh, it's going to be a really interesting matchup for sure. John Corrales, RedsArmy.com, Locked on Celtics, the Rain and Jays podcast. John, uh, we thank you as always, and we'll catch up with you again next Tuesday afternoon. Going to wrap things up here with Paul Pierce's new venture. It's called Vesper. And I'll just read you the uh, announcement here. Proud to announce the launch of my new company, At Vape Vesper. A great way for me to intake my CBD oils for chronic pain and anxiety. These type of medications should be allowed in sports as an alternative to pain pills and other issues athletes deal with on a day-to-day basis. This is a... And uh, a vape, and uh, he co-founded this company with a Rhode Island native, Elliot Mermel. They sell the Vesper one; it's fifty nine bucks. Now, he could have just come out and said, "Hey, I'm getting into vaping." All right, that's fine, but he didn't. He came out and he specifically said that this is a way for him to take medicinal marijuana, to the cannabis oils, to kind of help him. And uh, it helps his, his pain. It's, it's been used for anxiety, like he said. 
It's been used for other medicinal purposes. And I, I want to just applaud him for taking this step. And I'm all for a, a non-addictive way to treat pain. And part of the opioid epidemic in this country is because of these high-level uh, narcotics that were prescribed like nothing, like candy. These opioids that are highly addictive that were prescribed, and you see the stories in sports throughout history, guys addicted to pain pills because they're so powerful that they they you get hooked and and they they grab you and they don't let go. The high, the the way they make you feel, it's it's very very addictive. And look, I'm a former athlete, nowhere to the the level of these guys, but I deal with pain on a regular basis. To have, and I'm I'm afraid. I'm I will not take when I've had surgeries. I get prescribed those pain pills. I stop them as soon as possible. I, I don't want to be anywhere near them. And something like this is very very interesting. And you have legalization in Massachusetts. You have legalization around Massachusetts. It's it's growing. The entire country of Canada has legalized marijuana for recreational use. And if it's not recreational, it's at least medicinal in a growing number of states. Uh, I, I'm, I'm wondering when these pro leagues are going to kind of hop on board. And I don't know if they're waiting for the federal government. I don't know how that's going to go. But uh, I, I'm all for this. And I, I hope that this continues a conversation about what these types of things are, what these uh, these drugs, the, the, the cannabis, the cannabis oils, the, the marijuana, the way it's used medicinally, what does this really, really mean for players? And the old attitudes of what marijuana is, what marijuana leads to, what marijuana does to you, like, I think that those are just antiquated and scare tactics. And I think that now with modern science and the, the ability to understand that these things can be a great non-addictive way, non-harmful way to treat pain and anxiety and other issues. Uh, I think it's an important conversation to have, and it's not something that's just, let me go get high. It's, it's an actual treatment for these things. Uh, look, we, this is my last, my last comment here. Uh, I'm going to talk about it a lot on the locked on NBA podcast with Jake Madison. Jake and I have a great conversation with this on tonight's locked on NBA podcast. So go subscribe to that, or at least download it if you haven't subscribed, but look, your body, if it's in pain, it's sending you a message that something's wrong. And we like pain sucks. And if there's chronic pain, now chronic pain is you have a problem and maybe it can never go away and maybe the only thing to do is to treat it. That's different. What I'm talking about is the prescription of these opioids that has happened historically for people who have like, oh, my knee hurts or, you know, whatever. They people get prescribed opioids after like dental surgery. That's insanity to me. Your body pain is a signal that something's wrong, 
And if you're just blocking that stuff out with these super, super, super heavy drugs, then you're, you're actually doing yourself a disservice. You're not only getting addicted, but your body's actually breaking down and it's, it's, you're ignoring things that need to be fixed. You're just covering things up. And then what ends up happening is people get addicted to them. And then the addiction turns into something very, very horrible. And now we're in the midst of an opioid crisis that's killed countless people that, that really, uh, shouldn't have even been addicted to anything. So I hope that Paul Pierce is uh, continuing a conversation. I hope that this is a conversation that people listen to and take seriously because it is very serious. This is not some frivolous thing. People hear marijuana and cannabis and they start to kind of not take it seriously. This is a serious thing. And I applaud Paul Pierce for getting into this and continuing this conversation again, much more on this on the lockdown NBA podcast with me and Jake Madison. I hope you subscribe to that. I hope you subscribe to the Locked On Celtics podcast. If you're not a subscriber, if you are, again, please, five-star ratings, really very helpful. A good review is very helpful. And, of course, as I always ask you to, please share the podcast and spread the word. Tell your friends to listen to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network.